Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. My next guest is British Indian, and I was basically drooling every time she talked. Sharon Dhaliwal is founder and editor-in-chief of Burnt Roti Magazine, a magazine focusing on mental and sexual health for young South Asians, as well as LGBTQ plus rights. Aided by crowdfunding, she published her first print issue in April 2016 and has since launched an online version. Sharon has had bylines in the HuffPost, The Guardian, and was on the list of global influential women for the BBC 100 Women 2019. I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Sharon Daliwal. We are supported by Rocket Club. Rocket Club is the virtual entrepreneurship, coding, and robotics academy for kids age 7 through 14. And guys, my 7-year-old started the class like a month ago and absolutely loves it. They've covered topics such as blockchain and cryptocurrencies and the coding behind the technology. They've talked about stock market analysis, NFTs, aka non-fungible tokens, which I'm trying to figure out what that means. And they do all of it through a exciting gamified curriculum. So it's super engaging and fun for kids. They also have 22 additional communities, including coding, robotics, 3D printing, and Rocket Club Live. And they are fully virtual. They have members from 29 different states and also from England, Ireland, and India. It's super, super cool, super exciting. You can check them out by going to my landing page at www.rocketclub.com backslash tuckered out. And make sure you go through my page so you can take advantage of the free trial. Again, www.rocketclub.com backslash tuckered out. Hi, Sharon. How are you? I'm actually okay. I'm not doing too bad. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I, um, I'm in Houston for my parents' 50th anniversary today. Oh, cute. So, yeah, yeah. So we're doing just the, the fa- immediate family, Apuja. Nice. And yeah, it was interesting traveling. So that was fun. I got on the plane. I was acting like like a daddy or a ba who had never seen a flight, like a plane before in her life. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, hey, Bhagwan, like, what am I doing? Like yelling at my kids for no reason. And yeah, I was, I was acting like a crazy person, but yeah. I am here. I think everyone will be as soon as they get on a plane again. Yeah. How about you guys over there in the UK? How's it going? Uh, yeah, it's going okay. I think we're slowly lifting like all these restrictions with lockdown. So the past yeah. couple of weeks we can like go to places as long as it's outside uh, we okay. can meet up with people, and then in the next couple of weeks, they're going to start opening things up a lot more. So yeah, it's good, yeah. but scary because last time they did that, we went into another lockdown. So yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm in New York, and that's a whole different scene than Texas's. 
So like Texas is like a whole other country here. I grew up in Texas. Right. Um, and so when I came down here, I was like, you know, in the car and we were running some errands yesterday and uh, half the people didn't have masks on. And I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. And people in the Northeast are way more intense. And so yeah. it's just, it's interesting. It's going to be an interesting year. Um, mm-hmm. But vaccinations have been done on our family, at least. Thank God. That's so good. What, what about yeah. you? What about you guys? So my mom and dad have had their vaccines. Okay. Um, they've had both the shots. Um, okay. I think my age group, so the 30s to 40s, mm-hmm. get it like next week or in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's still a bit of a waiting game for some of us. So Yeah. Yeah. It will happen. It will happen. Okay. So actually we're talking about, I want to talk about your mom and dad. What was their immigration story to the UK? Well, it was really interesting. So it was the whole kind of like, you know, the movement of people from India to uh, various different places. And some of the biggest movements were to the UK and to Canada, um, as well as America, but Canada was a really big one. So what ended up happening is... You're Punjabi, right? I'm Punjabi, yeah. Okay, yeah. So lots of Punjabis in Canada. Got it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Uh, so um, so what happened is my mom ended up marrying a guy that um, had family in England and was like getting citizenship there and my auntie married someone that lives in Vancouver so what ended up happening is the family just went okay well we're just going to get up and go to these two different places uh so mum went over to the UK um my mussy went over to uh Vancouver and then my grandparents were like which one do we go to to go stay at and so they go over to England and it's this like concrete buildings and gray clouds and then they go to Vancouver and it's just one big park and they're like okay this isn't a hard decision so the grandparents went over to Vancouver um so some of the families in the UK but a lot is in Canada okay. um, so they came over dad came over in the 70s um mom came over in the late 70s uh I think 79 maybe 80 um and they just instantly start work so dad came in he went into work and did some like higher education and then mom just got a job at um some clothing factories from people that she knew because a lot of immigration happened in that in that particular area in Middlesex or like Southall and those kind of areas where like uh factories were a big thing so there were basically what happened is like a bunch of soldiers like from the British colony from the British Raj went over to England and opened some factories around Southall area uh, to help with the boom of immigration. So when then people immigrated, they could work in these factories. And so they were really like closed pocketed areas for like, you know, um, mostly Punjabi, mostly Sikh people um, to like come and settle in when they moved to the UK. And it was mostly in Southall, which is now called Little India. Yeah, I was just about to say, is that called Little India? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, so All they right. call it Little India now. Um, and yeah, so my parents' story kind of started just living in that space, um, surrounded by our usual aunties and stuff. So it kind of being called Little India itself, even though it still had kind of like the really volatile feel of being in a different place, it had kind of a homeliness to it. So right. I think like immigration stories wise, like with a lot of people that are my generation with their families coming over and a similar story, they do have like quite an interesting relationship with the country that they now live in. Right. I think it's that kind of not being able to let go because they recreated everything. Totally the same as in, as in the US. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. It's like it right. happens. You create pockets of community to feel safety, don't you? Right. Right. 
so like now my uh dad is semi-retired my mom's retired and just like having the time of their lives i know like my parents are like busier now and partying more i'm like can you can we hang out and talk like what what what's happening my mom has a kitty party at least once a week like at least once a week <gasps> oh my god can i can i have a microphone there and just listen in That'd you know what amazing. i did say that once and then i got really kind of i thought about it and i was like actually it could be quite terrifying to listen to you all because well, <laughs> like, it's your mom and her and her posse for me i'd be like what's up aunties aunties and uncles love me it'd be fine see that's totally the thing they don't they don't really get on with me Oh, I'll help you out with that. Well, I'm also like, I need aunties and uncles to love me for some reason. Maybe some psychological issues. I have no idea, yeah, but yeah, it it's, it's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Some weird childhood approval. I need to go to therapy for it. It's fine. So I'm glad you said, I know, seriously, you grew up and it's pronounced Southall. I'm, I'm a Texan South Indian. I'm Southall. Okay. So you grew up there and your family is still there. So no, they moved to like, uh, well, I'd call it like mini Southall. They moved to Hounslow. Okay. They kind of moved and it's Hounslow. in the similar okay. area. So it's still a very immigrant area. It's all next yeah. to Heathrow Airport. You know, it's those kind of areas. Yep. You get off at Heathrow and you just go into the places around you. Yeah. It's like Bend it like Beckham. I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, See, yeah, yeah, I, know, yeah. I know the whole UK immigration, immigration yeah, yeah, story yeah. from <laughs> just from that one movie, obviously. I mean, it answers a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm Guju, and so I definitely, I know there's huge Guju pockets there. Yeah. Lester? Is Lester one? Yes, it is. Is that what it is? Okay, okay. One of my good friends was, was from there, um, and everyone kind of stays in their section in a way and just hangs out and yeah. makes their own India. So yeah, I feel, I, like the, I feel like UK is more like that in a way because it is obviously smaller than the US. Yeah. But I mean, like in Texas, and sure, I live in, my parents live in Sugarland. If you, it's like a little India here too. Oh, really? And a little, it's a little okay. Asia. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. Okay, so, you know, I was, I was reading up about you, and I, and I think you had mentioned in an article, you basically grew up, like a lot of us, in a typical South Asian conservative household, meaning like mom and dad were a little strict on the dating thing and kind of education and what they wanted you to do. Is that right? Yeah, to a certain extent. So I think... I don't know. I You do this thing when you look back, right? Because then you, obviously when you're a teenager, you can't stand your parents, right? So you look back and you're like, how bad were they really? Uh, they were quite bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, we didn't go to therapy together for that one. <laughs> Dad has always been kind of like a bit loose on things, you know, and it's got less to do with parenting style and more to do with the fact that he was very kind of a guest preoccupied with wanting to live a certain lifestyle you know right he was a very kind of uh be accepted british person and he was really preoccupied with that and his job and his role in society so it was less about parenting from his side and more about kind of like there's a, there was a lack of attention if anything and so my mom Got made it. up for that with all of the attention and it right. was all very much like there was a lot of negativity inside of it as well because of course there is you know um a lot of parenting styles from immigrant families i have to be really careful about the way i say this <laughs> that's okay it's fine uh, trust me i have your episode 53 people have said all sorts of shit and you can curse <laughs> on here it's totally fine yeah 
it's just um i just yeah like i just feel like there's a lot to kind of make up for not just within like you know the family dynamic but like also like through ancestry and history and you know culture culture and expectations yeah and that kind of doesn't sit in like you know being strict you know that that sits in kind of like you know their uncomfortableness you know them being pulled out of something that was kind of safe for them and put somewhere that's incredibly unsafe in many ways and so they become protective of that and it's not just protective of of you as a person it's protective of like their indianness or whatever you know Um, well they they lost control right there's no uh, there's so much less control in this environment yeah absolutely and and a lot that they didn't really understand as well right so yeah mum kind of like enforced a lot of that and onto her childhood i suppose and um there was a lot of kind of like you know you can't do this you can't do that um looking back many kids were told you can't do this and you can't do that right it's just you know you victimize yourself you're just like my mom is saying this to me because she hates me you know and because she wants everything to be so kind of like uh she doesn't want me to become white you know i just real i just realized how dramatic kids are after having them i'm like really seriously calm i mean my kids are still little but they're still dramatic anyways point is Teenagers are all assholes. Just yeah, no, one hundred percent. Like at the same time, they have a right to be as well because they're I know. As well, I know. treating them like shit as well. To be fair, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a two. Like you know, all you right, Sharon, to- you're you're officially the godmother of my children. Good luck. <laughs> teach, just teach them. It's fine. <laughs> But it's true. It's true. So like, you know, we, we do like kind of either we admonish our parents for like, you know, being strict or saying certain things for us, or we say, yeah, but teenagers will do what they do. Well, we have to look at it both ways. You know, parents right. felt unsafe and so did teenagers, you know, right. and do right, and totally. current. So like, yeah, there, there were a lot of times that mum was like, you can't do this. You can't do that. There were a lot of times where mum would, you know, what would seem like, you know, being, she would seem too strict or she would put on too much pressure and it isn't a successful way of parenting at all um it doesn't build relationships with parents and children either um but you can understand where it comes from like later down right. in your life you, you go i get where that came from like you know right. she's not a disney villain uh, right. yeah but, <laughs> you know but it wasn't successful in many ways but that would be super cool if she was though right yeah that would, right. that would be right. the princess yeah, obviously. I mean, we still are. <laughs> yeah, I think with our parents and mothers especially, I, I don't think they were focusing on trying to build relationships with their kids in terms of like building a friendship. For them, they were like, you, you are, we are going to tell you how, what's right and wrong. And mm-hmm. we're, we're going to make sure you're, you're coming out in one piece here as an adult. Yes. And that, yes. was, that was a basic bottom line for them. Yes. Whereas I think our generation and our age has more of a privilege to be able to understand, okay, yes, we're their parents, but like, let's also, we need to also become friends at some point. So there's some mutual respect. Yeah. I just don't um, think our parents had that bandwidth, right? Yeah, there was a lack of bandwidth on that as well. But then there's also the like, you know, you are now having, you've grown up in the same country that your children are. Yes. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I have two girls. I'm like, I know exactly everything you're going to do. Like yeah. sneaking out of the house. I know all of it. I know yeah. all the traps. I mean, I'm sure they'll find more. Uh, oh yeah, because te- technology is already getting confusing for me as a as a forty year old. Um, but yeah, no, totally. So, and it's funny, Sharon, because like all my guests say the same thing about the their parent story and the relationship, and that's, I love this common thread that we all mm-hmm. have. 
Yeah. It's super interesting. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. in terms of dating and stuff, was that even talked about? Relationships? Was that oh talked about in the house? No. God, no. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. imagine if mom mentioned, like, dates or romance or any kind of form of romance, you know, that was outside of Bollywood. But even then, it was, yeah. like, conditioned to just being a fantasy in a film, you mm-hmm. know? So it can like, only be like it can only be like Rishi Kapoor too. Yeah, to like yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, he's of course. allowed. You know, yeah. you're not allowed to yeah. like like people. Jesus, no, uh, of course not. And then like the flower would, flower would come in the way of like when the boy and girl came together. Oh my god! I mean, the 80s and 90s had great, fantastic graphic artists, so it's fine. Oh my god! Didn't they just yeah. amazing transitions yeah, from like hugging. totally. Totally. Um, <laughs> oh my God. We can analyze Bollywood in the eighties and nineties and how fucked up that was too. But anyways, so, so did you know what you wanted to do like career wise growing up or was it like in the U S I know 90% of my friends were like, okay, we're going to be doctors or lawyers or engineers or, or, you know, something that would make money, make sense. Uh, did you guys have that there? Yeah. 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 I think that's very much again, like, uh, I don't think it, I think it's just pressures on children. I think that's just like the right. way that society kind of builds up children. Uh, cause again, you know, we live in this kind of world that isn't set up. I mean, it isn't really set up for like humans properly, unless you're in the kind of 3%. So it works in the structure of capitalism. So you have to kind of know what you're doing to earn the money to keep the economy going. So the pressures put on any child, no matter what. So I was, kind of like expected to do certain things, get into certain roles so that I would make money within this structure of society. Um, But, you know, I still don't know what I'm doing or want to do. I'm still a bit like, "Eh, maybe this, I don't know. Right? It's fine. I'm like in the next 10 years, like, you know, I could, I'm going to be hitting like closer to 50 in the next 10 years. And I reckon by then maybe I'll have a new business idea. You know what? I call it, I call it constantly learning. It's totally fine. And it truly is. It truly is. I'm um, discovering now that at 40, I'm discovering now, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have gone to journalism school, but it's fine. I'm just going to start my own podcast. So it's totally fine. Yeah. Like that's the thing as well. Like I find higher education to be quite kind of, I don't know, you know, without any too many young people listening to this, I find it quite defunct. Um, it, so you, don't, you don't have to worry. The young people already think that. So okay, it's, good. yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I went to law school and I, I don't know how long it took me to pay back. Yeah, no, I, I still am. Yeah. Technically, who knows? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get paychecks. I don't know what they actually get. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I studied film and animation at university. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to get to that. You went to you went to two universities, right? You went to West. No, I so mess all of it up. West Thames College. West Thames. Yeah. So I did a foundation in art and design, which you have to do before you do any creative uh, bachelor's okay. degree. So I did this foundation course to then go to university and do my three years uh, in film and animation. Um, Got it. Which I chose to do because there were some music videos from some like cool metal bands and they were all animated and claymation. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. So, then, so like, were your parents freaking out? Were they like, what oh, are yeah, you doing? Yeah. But then to be oh, fair, yeah. awesome. they had never stopped freaking out. So this wasn't really a right. change in anything. So like you, you, you kept it constant for them. That's good. Yeah. 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 They were just always on the edge, like yeah. always ready, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think because they, they were very aware that like, you know, Sharon's not going to do what, what we ask her to. So, you know, we're just going to have to be sure we're like ready to grab her when she really messes up. Um, so yeah, when they found out I wanted to do film and animation, they were just like, they kind of turned quite interesting because it was just like, yeah, you probably shouldn't. But then they were like, yeah, but is she going to get in anywhere? Because I was not paying attention in school 
Um, and it wasn't like from like trying to be rebellious. It was genuine boredom. Yeah. It was That's genuine fair. kind of like I had no desire to be there, to learn, to understand anything. Anything they taught me, I didn't really care about. Right. Um, and there were some classes that were like, oh, this is quite fun, I guess. But there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough there to really grab my attention. So I wasn't right. doing well in school because I just didn't care. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to leave the house. You know, I wanted to get away from these parents. So I wanted to go to university. So right. I was like, yeah, cool. Let's do film and animation. And um, one university eventually let me in um, after like all the others said, no, Sharon, you actually need great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I went to Kent University um, okay. to study film and animation. How was that? It was great. I was drunk the whole time. The whole time. Um, I like it. I approve I, of this message. Yeah. Like, I went there and I, I did what most people do when they go to higher education. I went there to leave my parents. Right, right. Exactly. Because like I, and I look back now and I'm just like, okay, they had screen printing. They had photography rooms. They had like a whole editing suite for like video. They had like all of this stuff. And I was busy like yeah. working in like part-time working in the student bar and yeah. placing the sambuca bottles with water this is amazing like i did, i yeah i think we're sisters because i went to law school to get out of texas to move i moved to chicago didn't really care what they were teaching me in law school and i was bartending the whole time and i was terrible yeah and djing i was like what why am i paying a hundred thousand dollars for this but it's fine yeah. Yeah. yeah so totally totally get it i'm there with you yeah, absolutely. It was it was this kind of like weird process of I don't care that this costs money and I don't care that I'm meant to do this because I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do what I can finally what I finally want to do, you know? When when did you figure that out though? When was the did you want to do something with film and animation? Was it interesting at all? Oh yeah, like so I I okay. grew up in a very kind of like I'm a very visual person. So like films right. and music videos and animations and stuff like that, they were always like my interest since I was like young, 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 like super young. Right. I've always right. loved it. And I've always been like obsessed with music videos and stuff and always found inspiration through them. Um, so like, yeah, I always wanted to like, I don't know. I didn't know the difference between really enjoying something and then being part what of your, it. What your purpose is or passion yeah. is and all, yeah. Yeah. All that jazz. Like, I yeah. animation and I was like, oh, you need patience. Yeah, I don't have that. Sorry, guys. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> seem. It, that seems like it's. It, it doesn't seem easy. No, it's like, definitely not. It's definitely. I feel like it's. It's meant for like a certain type of person. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because there's so many different styles of animation. There are right. some that I can do, and like not like skill wise, just like head wise. There's right. some that I can do out of patience. But like, it just, it was a art school. They wanted arty stuff. They wanted very particular stuff. They, right. It's very interesting how art schools are for people to like explore their expression and their creativity, but then it's still kind of outlawed to some singular types of art, you know? Right, if right, you, right, right. If you go outside of those kind of boxes, then you're not good enough. The art isn't good enough, you know? It was really strange. It was a really kind of weird way of, and I think the art world still lives in that kind of way. It was a weird way of expressing yourself. And so right. I just express myself with alcohol, basically. Um, and then I... <sighs> We're going to meet at a bar one day, my friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. We will. We will. 
Um, and then I, I basically, I failed my minor, so it's a major project, minor project and a dissertation that passes you through the final year. I failed okay. my minor project because I didn't give a shit basically. Right. Right. Um, right. My, and this is interesting, right? To where I am now, my dissertation, right. I started the year before because I was so excited to write about this idea I had. So right. I, my dissertation was what kind of passed me. So what ended up happening is I failed my minor project and they were just like, all right, Sharon, go away. <laughs> and then go back, back to your parents. Yeah. Just leave. Come back in next year for the next term. Um, and just hand in your project. You don't have to come to classes, just do it and then hand it in right at right. the right time. And so I was like, whatever. I went back, lived with my parents, got a job. And then I was like, uh, then it came up to the year and I was like, oh, I have to do that project. I completely forgot to do that project. So two weeks before it had to be handed in, I quickly threw something together. I don't even remember what it was. Like, that's <laughs> how it was. And I sent it off to them and they literally were just like, Sharon, we're going to give you a BA without honors. Just please stop coming back. Yeah, yeah. They're like, no, just they're gonna roll up a paper that says graduated and just be like, here, later. Yeah. It's fine. I'm done. Yeah. I'm fine. I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I just ran off with this like on like a BA without honors. Like I was like, I don't really understand the difference. I don't care. I just want to sure. stop. Sure. Okay. It's not. It's not. It hasn't changed your life in any way. I'm sure. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. no one. Like unless it's like these kind of like interviews or podcasts, no one asks about my degree. No one has ever. Yeah. And obviously, me. like the degree thing is more just to hear the South Asians because all of us have this common thread. Oh, Although yeah. you and I are a lot alike in many ways, because a lot of the people I've interviewed are like blah 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 degree degree, and I just got my law degree and then didn't do shit with it and was just yeah. drunk the whole time. So yeah. yes, I, everything you're saying, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm not the only yeah. brown person that's kind of, you know, random. Um, <laughs> and I also do think though, that you need to, at some point, draw a Disney auntie villain because, you know, uh -huh. talking, so you, you have to make this happen at some point. Okay. Okay. In one of your magazines. Yeah. yeah. We got, we got to, we got to do this. I'll, I'll help you think of a name for sure. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> So I, I know at the moment, you know, most of your work I was reading is on TV radio. You're hosting panel talks, event curation. You're a journalist. You're an author. And we're going to get to that. Um, and then, you know, I, I, of course, went to your LinkedIn because this is how you research Wikipedia, LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you did quite a bit of stuff afterwards. Writer, freelance runner, mail mm -hmm. order assistant. I mean, like, oh, you run the gamut just like I do, which is amazing. <laughs> and then I read about your story while you were on the plane and someone asked you about whether you were Punjabi or Rajasthani because you had just gotten something done with your nose, right? Oh, yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. this was this kind of made, like, this was the birth of burnt roti. So can you explain that story? So what, what I just said made no sense. So clear it up. For <laughs> Let me explain. Yeah. So <laughs> basically i had um i'm gonna get the years wrong because i always say the same amount of years and i've been doing no that for a long time so no i got a nose job about 10 years ago um basically i had this like um very punjabi uh very long hooked and thin kind of nose like it just it was just big it just came right. out right it was a very uh, north indian punjabi nose right it was a nosy nose yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Just very much like North Indian Punjabis. Um, <laughs> um, and I I hated it. I hated it since childhood. And I didn't know what kind of 
I didn't know what to do about it because it was a part of my face. It was my physical features. It wasn't something that was very hidden. It was the first thing you see. Um, and I was just like, shit, like I look horrible, you know? And that's why I, how I grew up thinking about myself because I grew up in, in like um, West London in a place that was like a heavy immigrant area, but surrounded by people that didn't want to be immigrants, that didn't want to be brown, you know? So there was this whole kind of you look incredibly, your features are incredibly ethnic that doesn't make you fit in enough. You you need right. to fit in enough as an immigrant. Um, and so there was this whole kind of feeling of like, you know, I'm not good enough. And then also like, you know, I'm not pretty enough for all like people that I could be sleeping with, you know, obviously not thinking right. that as a super young person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I mean? Hold, hold yeah. hands with, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But the flower, the flower has to come in the middle anyways. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I basically approached my parents, uh, uh, again at a young age and I said look I I want to get a nose job and I got actually really annoyed by this conversation it, it turned out okay but what ended up happening is my mom went oh yeah I got one too and I was like what excuse what? I thought my nose was from my dad and I thought ah. that and then I was like is this why all of your photos when you were younger overexposed because it's your nose so what ended up happening is when she came to England she got a nose job she never told you. No, no, no. I didn't bother telling us. Of course not. So I was just like, and so that's kind of why they were like, yeah, you know, we will support you in getting one. Because I could have turned around and been like, well, you've had one. Yeah. You know? so, that's probably why she didn't tell you. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they ended up supporting this idea. And because my mental health wasn't doing that well anyway, I had really, I've had really bad anxiety for like most of my life, um, like ongoing depression um and so and uh eating disorders for a very long time but like not until much later in my life had it been acknowledged as such um and so that kind of like was a double effect it kind of like was not just you know oh i don't feel pretty enough it was affecting like you know my very existence right. uh, and my parents were quite aware of that but like to a certain extent that parents can understand mental health like it especially at that point they understood there was something happening Right. Um, so they were very much like, yeah, we can sort this out for you. Let's do this. So when I was 24, I don't know. Oh, it's it's right out there. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got a nose job. Um, and it, was, it wasn't until oh, way after that, much, much after that, that I ended up having a conversation with a journalist friend of mine who was writing okay. an article for Cosmopolitan and it was about ethnic cleansing through plastic surgery. And I was just like, okay, this is an interesting conversation. Let's talk about this. Right. And she brought to light a lot that was in me that I suppose I was avoiding. And it was okay. like that my nose job wasn't just about the fact that, you know, it affected my mental health. It was also a, a big part of my identity. It was a big part of me being a Punjabi, Punjabi woman and right. it was a big part of my ancestry as well you know I right. was cutting off a lot of history family history right. doing that trying to trying to fit in yeah just right. just for wanting to fit in and it's it was a double kind of edged sword because I was like yeah but I wanted to get that for my mental health but how has it really helped because all I've really done is subscribe to certain roles that were kind mm -hmm. of like set up for me that I will never reach. I will never attain those kind of like, unex like, um, what do you think some of those roles are that you were trying to attain looking back? Like, was well, it, it was trying to be more like, white? Was it trying to yeah, be it was less very Eurocentric, but it, it was okay. built on like, you know, the idea of like, you know, uh, white supremacy, which is something that's an ongoing theme in 
the world. Right. Uh, no matter where you are globally, there are elements of white supremacy that kind of like reigns through. Yep. And I think that my ideals of being able to exist came out of the idea of white supremacy and patriarchy, which is also burst from white supremacy and so on and so forth. Um, oh my God, so, yes. <laughs> so like, yeah, so like a lot of that, a lot of that kind of like feeling I had, I, I would blame myself a lot of the time, like coming out of it and learning so much about like, you know, what I was actually doing by removing a part of my nose. I would then blame myself and be like, well, what have you done, Sharon? And then I had to be like, no, wait, <laughs> don't blame this poor girl that suffered so much because of her nose, because of the world that she lives in. Right, you know, right. It's not it's not my fault you know that that well was- I, I feel like it's probably multi-layered right i mean it's not it can't yeah. just be one thing right so yeah, no, it's hard to not. hard to pinpoint anything and yeah anyways continue yeah so like i i suppose i i went through that kind of journey of uh realizing a lot understanding a lot about myself um right. after the article came out i started having a lot more conversations with my parents about things like you know my nose my heritage um having like uh excessive body hair um being bilingual and like you know things like that like you know all the different elements of my life that white people I know can't relate to right right Um, and so I guess out of those kind of conversations and those kind of like memories of things that happened like the thing that happened on the plane all these kind of memories it kind of gave me the idea of creating my magazine Burnt Ruddy but it was really quick i love burnt roti the name um because that's all i've done ever whenever i try to make them yeah. and i've quit a long time ago i'm like this is i'm just okay. gonna pay for it somehow but yeah anyways continue <laughs> um, that, that makes sense yeah um but yeah so burnt roti came out of that but it was kind of essentially um a platform that i wanted for me it right. was just very self. I wanted to talk about my nose job. I wanted to talk about body hair. I wanted to talk about all these things that I wouldn't see anywhere else because all other publications out there were doing wedding stuff or they were doing Bollywood stuff or were doing like, you know, really biased like political reviews or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, that's not, that's not my that's experience. Not, that's, that's, that's not, not what's happening day to day with most of us. Yeah. 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 And so like, it was, a, it was essentially really selfish. It was something for me to like, I guess, like, you know, sit in and go haha well done Sharon now you are seen by just yourself I don't know I just created it but luckily for me like you know there's a whole niche uh group of people out there that felt exactly the same because why would I only I think it's a big niche I think there's a lot of us out there it's a huge. lot of us have victimized ourselves into thinking we're the only ones that have excessive body hair. We're the only ones that have like, you know, a big nose, for example. We're the only ones that have like parents that could be strict or whatever, you know, we victimize right. ourselves. And even though we know other people have it, we had it the worst, you know? Always. So, yeah. So it wasn't until like I put put out this magazine and everyone else started kind of like relating to it and then wanting to submit things and telling me their stories that I was just like it's not just about your individual experience it's about the idea that you can have something shared in this kind of othered space you know yeah and we're not alone we're not the only ones that feel ugly or down or depressed or the other or whatever it is as Indian South Asian women in general yeah Um, so burnt roti is, I mean, you guys focus mainly on um, mental health, women issues, if you want to call it that, LGBTQ plus community. And I know I read again that you had kind of come out during this time mm-hmm. after you after the magazine came out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I loved your dad's 
response to it, which was uh, Sharon, sexuality is fluid, I think is what yeah, you said. Yeah, he quoted me back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was rude. And that's, that, <laughs> that, 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 that was just an interesting way of, I guess, reacting to it. Mm-hmm. Um, how's your family now with everything? Well, yeah, like, okay, so dad only reacted like that because I've been taking him to the pub for the past eight years and telling him. (laughs) Genuinely, because we have constant conversations about stuff and I'm like, did you know this? Did you know that? And because he wants to hang out with me. And so I basically just give him all the feminist theories I possibly can. Um, Good for you. That's amazing. It's so ingrained in him that he doesn't know otherwise, right? That's the way to do it. That's how you teach him. (laughs) Okay, again, you're my kid's godmother, just FYI. So just, you can start, you can start with them first. (laughs) So the reason dad had that response is because he's been living that life already with me for a very long time. Um, He he does kind of understand a lot of that kind of, well, he knew that I was in that world already in many ways, you know, from the work I did and my friends and stuff. And it never really bothered him. Um, Mum had a certain reaction. Um, So like, kind of I, I guess we didn't talk for a while I don't know she's still like my brother had a kid basically and she used that as an excuse to talk to me every now and then so mm-hmm. I guess we did talk but like we didn't talk for a while and then when we did it was kind of just like a bit gross or whatever and then like she would uh basically spy on my social media because parents love doing that um and then be like oh who's this girl you're kissing and all this stuff and just sending me screenshots or whatever and I'm like, uh, my partner. Um, so like, it's, it was a really strange kind of experience, but at the same time, me and my mother have never really had a relationship. We've never really been close. We've never really had a connection. So it didn't really feel like that much of a big, like that big a deal to me. It didn't really affect my life that much. Um, it was my dad who I hung out with because he made the effort to come and see me all the time to me. So yeah. So like, it's kind of like like you had one parent's I don't want to say approval, but he knew. And I, I think if you, you, since you had that outlet already and you and your mom already had maybe a contentious relationship, whatever you want to call it. Cause I feel like that's always the case with one parent or the other. Um, yeah. You probably felt like you, you didn't need her Arshivat or her approval or whatever you yeah. want to call it. I've never, yeah, I never really did, needed her approval for anything, I suppose. So right. like anything I've done, right. um, I haven't ever done thinking, Oh, what would mom think? Because that would mean, you know, what would, that auntie think what would that person think what would and then i would never have done anything i've done right if i just and then he would be the most popular topic in their kitty parties well that's the thing so going back to that i am so i'm talked about a lot um so it's 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 not just like you know uh what sharon doing with her life she's not married yet she's 37 all of that stuff it's the like you know me having a partner that's a woman it's uh naked in some of her social media or whatever like you know things like that so they have a lot to talk there's i've given them to be fair i've given them a lot of content they yeah have- you deserve you just have some kind of like monetary award for this because i know yeah. like yeah so bored if it wasn't for my yeah. life you know yeah. so i i'm constantly like creating content for them to like gossip off now i'm just like oh let's do this Sharon. good for you good for you i think that's why you created burnt roti is for the kitty parties so they can talk yeah about let them, them think that right yeah 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 <laughs> let's, let, them, let them feel better about that 
And so, so Burnt Ro- Roti now, you guys just celebrated five years, right? Yeah, yeah, That's amazing. Sorry, yeah. That's amazing. Congrats. Yes. And, I, and I went to the site and it's all online correctly or you guys can get print? So we have a print publication as well. It comes out once a year, but we missed one year because of funding. So we had to release okay. that last year. Um, okay. And we have another one coming out this year. So it's annual print publication, but because of money, it, we barely release anything. Like Money's a bitch, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because my magazine doesn't get any funding um, from anywhere because okay. like uh, publications that are so kind of like you know loose with an idea that isn't like marketable isn't worth right. Funding. And because in England as well, like they don't give funding to the arts, they don't give they don't give a crap about the arts. Here. We gotta get you. We gotta get you funding over here. Then this is this burnt roti is am- I fucking love it. I think it's such a great. I mean, I there's lots of South Asian magazines out in the U.S. as well. I kind of have a pulse on a lot of them. Um, Mm -hmm. But what you're doing is a different avenue. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's really interesting because we're also very selective, I suppose, about the things that we talk about. I'm not kind of a everyone has their own voice and can say whatever on this website. Like there was this one guy that wanted to publish an article about how brown women always turn him down. And I was like, this isn't the space for you. Yeah, I was like, I can do that for you, but. I mean, probably a white publication will have the time of their lives with that. Oh my god, totally, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, you're, so you're not you're not gonna get get much sympathy on this platform. I yeah, think. yeah, this isn't for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're very selective. We don't just publish anything. You know, we're very kind of like we make sure that we publish something that is like ethical and conscious. You know, right, something right, that right. Doesn't create harm in any kind of way. So um, I think because of that, it's because of the selective nature of it. We we're not constantly pushing stuff out as well. Okay. It's right, kind right, of right. bring things out as we see fit. And and no one's sitting there being like, oh, it's 3 p.m. Burton Ruti hasn't released anything. Like, no one cares, right? Well, so that's you, not what you want anyways, I'm sure. I'm no, sure you're not yeah. looking for that at this point, you know? Yeah. Do you have, a, like, a large team working with you? No, so it's only me. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. I don't have a team. So, like, the that's thing a is, lot. That's me, a lot. Yeah, Burton Ruti isn't set up as a company. Burton Ruti is a non-profit. So okay. uh, we actually, like, I say we because it's easier for me to say we than to keep saying I. Um, but right. we um, don't make a profit. We make a loss at this. And it's funded through the money that I make as a freelancer. Girl, we need to talk. So it is run just by me. And it has been five years. But, like, people say, like, oh, is it a passion project then? I'm like, no, it's a full-time job. Like, there's right, right. a passion project. So literally, like, every day. Um, but, like... The intention was never to make money off Bernardi. The intention was literally somewhere that I could talk about myself. And now, right, right, right. Huge. And I, I, I'm like, let it just become this, like, you know, living thing, thing that it's become without me having to input too much into it. Right. So you, you kind of organically grew it, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And it feels yeah. like Bernardi was just something that I put together, and now people are just like making it grow. Right. Right, uh, right. With their contributions and with their ideas and stuff. So, like, it does come through me, but it's, you know, other people channeling them, their, themselves and their lives through it. You know? Right, right, uh, right, right. No, we, I think it's fantastic. Do, yeah. So, like, thank yeah. you. We do loads of, like, events and collaborations with uh, other brands and stuff like that to create content. Uh, right. Well, I've done events <laughs> in a while. Um, yeah, yeah. But the Instagram is- Live. Yeah, right. Yeah, we've done like three and I hated doing them. I know, I know. <laughs> the whole social media thing, I'm like, what the fuck? Anyways. I know, right? Uh, but the plan is is to um, have a Ben Rudy in Canada. So like, it was oh, meant awesome. last year actually, but because of this pandemic, it's not happening. Uh, but I'm going to be going over to Vancouver 
as okay. soon as possible, really, uh, to do Banruti work over there. And then, like, it's going to still carry on here because, to be fair, like, it's done by me on this tiny little laptop. Like, I don't really right. need anyone else to do it and just have someone here to help run the events. Right. But, like, so I'm just going to try and set up something in Vancouver as soon as possible. Come by, come by New York City on the way back. Yeah, I could do. I don't even know how far know that is, but whatever. A lot of people in America as well. Um, come by. So, like, I, will... I have been there, like, a lot recently. Well, recently... Well, we can cancel like the last year and a half. Let's cancel. Two, Let's 2020 cancel. Yeah. Is, is skip, done, yeah. leap year. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I do go through those kind of areas quite a lot. I have a lot of people that I know that live there, whether it's friends or whether it's through things like Burnt Ritty, where I know some people. Um, so there is potential to like grow it in very different areas within the world. Uh, totally. But the idea behind Vancouver is genuinely because my family's there. So it's just yeah, so of course. Like, if I'm going to go somewhere. Also, there's also obviously a very big. Yeah. Eight- Indian South Asian population exactly yeah and I kind of want to work with with that I feel like I don't know I don't want to like be mean about Vancouver but I feel like you know we're having conversations in London that they're not having yet in those communities there and it feels totally work needs to be done there and I, I feel especially for like you know the queer South Asian community right it's there's nothing happening in Vancouver there and I kind of want to just like help build that up because if there's going to be so many of us living there like a bunch of us are there yes yeah yeah i was like i was like there are people there for sure yes so i think there needs to be a lot of work that needs to be done there as well you your goal is to go to vancouver and become the talk of kitty parties over there yeah yeah i want to give them content too yeah come on don't be selfish sharon okay like you can't just I mean, Jesus, spread the kitty party love. I will. I'm going to call this episode kitty party love. <laughs> and so, and I really quickly want to hit on, just because you had mentioned it in the article, I don't know what your dating situation is now, but you, you had mentioned, I think your first date was, was with an American woman that wanted to like had a brown fetish. Oh my God. Okay. I just, she, when I read that, I was like, oh my God. So seriously. annoying, by the way. She is still so annoying. I see her <laughs> everywhere on social media and it makes me want to throw my phone. Oh yeah, my fair. God. When I read that, I was like, you're kidding, right? Like, that's just uh, so, that's so, it's so typical. It's like nauseating. It's, it's so frustrating because usually it's hidden, right? Right. Usually right. when someone's going to fetishize you, they do it in kind of like a subtle way and it takes yeah. you a while to figure out. This Full on text me saying I want an Indian. I was wow. like, "What?" <laughs> I guess. I guess. Congratulations. I don't even know. Oh, I don't, don't even know. know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and it was just like she kept like texting me things about like you know, oh, I want to be uh, item number in the song because she's like a comedian and she thinks she's really great at acting and comedy. She's oh, the God. comedian I've ever seen. Oh, oh my God. God. It's so annoying. Anyway. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Amazing first date, Sharon. Well, Congratulations. This is the worst thing. I went on one date. I went on a second date with her. All right? <laughs> I was horny. What? Why? Oh, okay. Okay. So, allow solid me. Solid reason. Solid reason. Thank Don't you. need to ask. Yes. Good. Good for I you. I went on the second date. Nothing happened, yeah. by the way, because she just wanted to talk to me about how she wants to be brown. But like, I went on a second date and it was just tragic. It was just awful. And it kind of like reaffirmed yeah. it shouldn't really be in the space of wherever she is um so yeah yeah, that and she kept like I was just avoiding her and she kept texting me loads afterwards just did you know this about that Bollywood actor and I'm like I fucking grew up on this 
right? Don't wow. come at me with, do I know this about that Bollywood? I literally, yeah. It, it tends to happen a lot with like East Asian women that is just kind of really loud and really kind of violent as well. With South right. Asian women, it's kind of microaggressive. This was like, right. this was straight like, up. like straight up, I was an Indian. I thought she I'm was assuming, I'm assuming she's white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fully okay, white. Okay. Yeah, like oh, the okay. white, it's like see-through. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's healthy. Sometimes, sometimes you need a little see-through in your life. <laughs> we should start a cis stand-up show. This is amazing. Um, okay, and then Middlesex Pride. So that's that's the area you grew up in. Yes, and that's this is like the first Pride event thing in that area. Yeah. Is that still going on? One and then two. Have you been able to support a lot of people and help them? Like, I don't know if, if coming out is the terminology or talk yeah. to them about what, like, all that stuff. How's that been? Yeah. So, Middlesex Pride was meant to happen last year and it was meant to be the first one, but obviously, pandemic. So, it's going to happen this year because I don't trust the government, the UK government, or the world, or people. It's yeah. going to be online still. Um, okay. but it's not going to be like a come online and watch some zooms. It's basically yeah. like an experience. It's going to be live from a certain date and you can go online and onto that website and just experience a bunch of things whenever, whenever you want. That's amazing. So that's going to happen this year in some point that I gave a date. Okay. For I remember now. Um, okay. but yeah, so that was created because it's Middlesex It's the area I grew up in. And I was very, right. aware when I came out, uh, one of the big reasons that, kind of held me back from coming out. Well, I'd say one of the big, one of the reasons um, was because I grew up in a place I didn't have any kind of like uh, visibility or understanding around sexuality. And it was because right. it's a huge immigrant area, uh, but also because there was an accessibility to anything. We, we were greater London. We weren't central London. So it was right. difficult for us to go to spaces that were kind of visible of like queer people or representative of queer people. So it almost felt like a different world and it very much felt like a white world as well. So yeah. I wanted to make sure that, and when I came out as well, an article in Ben Ruddy, uh, most of the messages I got from people were from Middlesex saying, we didn't realize that we could come out or like, you know, wow. we are too scared to come out. We were hoping to move out and then we'll be able to kind of thing, you know. I mean, this um, is a big deal that people were able to feel comfortable enough to reach out, you know? Yeah, that's been an interesting thing with like my journey as well. And I think it's because I'm so kind of like, transparent which is a nice way of saying loud as hell and attention seeking uh that people kind of just see it as an avenue to like yeah right like if people see it as an avenue to be able to contact someone like you know if i'm going to be so open about like you know my mental health or my dating history or whatever then people are like right. oh yeah same and they will message it to me right Sharon, so i think i think the terminology here is of uh, being vulnerable like just being yeah being open, like having no fear of judgment, you know, like, I mean, yeah. of course we all are a little bit nervous about it, but yeah, when yeah, you yeah. open up, when you open up like that, people are like, oh, okay. Like I, someone else took the first step. Yeah, there is definitely that. There is definitely that. And what, what's interesting as well, I suppose, is I didn't really have that. I didn't really have yeah. that to like, you know, reach out to. And I think that's something that's kind of like drives me internally as well, is just right. knowing that that kind of space can't exist anymore. Like we can't have right. someone where people don't feel like they can step forward. Right. Um, so yeah, so it, it got created, the idea of Middlesex Pride got created out of this kind of like these many conversations I ended up having with people. Um, so I wanted to create a pride that was more about bringing these immigrant communities together to know that sexuality is more than just sex. Uh, it's more than just HIV. 
it's more than just like you know I don't know, just like the horrible things that they think, you know, so there's just so much misunderstanding about it or like just people need to learn. Yeah. It's also not just that. It's like, uh, it's almost like remember the history that we have, but it is kind of, it's a universal way of kind of moving past these ideals to be able to live in this world because universally, not just outside of India, like homosexuality has never really been accepted you can't be like that country that's where all the gays live because that's where they feel safe like there's no real meaning of that i think cases have that and a lot of it is driven by unfortunately like the way that governments are formed and the way that capitalism kind of sits in our world where if you form these units of family then you can survive in this capitalist world right um which is happens to be a white supremacist world as well but if you come out of that and you form groups of unions that aren't within the legal laws which are homosexual then they don't fall into these tax brackets they don't fall into these like you know ideals that we have so we can't run our economy on homosexuality so the idea behind it is essentially that you're not going to make us money gays so it's like the amount of money on like have you been to a gay wedding like yeah i I know i know i know (laughs) okay um and then are you you are writing a book or have you written a book and it's coming out yes it's coming out next okay. year it's coming out february 2020 yay yay that's awesome and it's called hold on hold on i researched burning my roti yeah right? yeah okay awesome i want to hear about this this is amazing uh so yeah it's a non-fiction it's basically kind of a memoir of like my journey of um I guess a lot of what we've spoken about. So it's kind right. of just the idea of like the person I thought I was, the way I kind of, the way I aligned myself with a concept of identity, you know, the idea right. that I needed a certain identity that wasn't one that was available to me and what I did to try and find an identity. Um, and it's a really interesting kind of experience when you do realize that you've been sitting there looking for an identity and you've been looking to essentially put yourself in a box and it's like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Like, that's what everyone else wants you to do. That's why they give you yeah. these categories and these names. Right. And it's, it's just like a journey of, of like, you know, things around my body hair, about my nose job. It's about like um, my eating disorders, my mental health, about dating preferences. That girl comes up in there. <laughs> it's just these uh, stories and these ideas, but a lot of it's laden within like, you know, history, you know, right. uh, why are we having these feelings and why is this happening to us um also looking at kind of like i guess um the immigration that happened and why that kind of has affected my generation the way it has and the generation below me is affected differently and so on and so forth there's a lot of kind of that and then there's a bunch of interviews as well with a bunch of amazing south asian uh women um about kind of like their certain expertise on things like there's this amazing uh anti-racist yoga teacher uh who I love she's amazing um and she talks a lot about like um how yoga's colonized you know and how you know she teaches it outside of this colonial rule and this colonial understanding because again it goes back to and I know I sound like a broken record no it's not a broken record it's it's just it is what it it is exactly what it is is, yeah so like you know yoga was brought over uh from colonized lands for white people to make money yeah. And so it's about decolonizing that as well. So like, like 
interesting interviews with people like her and like some people in the art world as well about like diaspora art right and how that sits within uh, racist institutes and you know like you know favoring something over another just to fit within a white ideal so okay. there's all these kind of like interesting kind of like stories and interviews and ideas that i guess are aspects. around the idea of identity and around right. the idea of wanting to be an ideal that i will never reach you know or maybe don't want to reach anymore right they're well, yeah. having a different having a different ideal at this point yeah but like you know and in childhood it was wanting to reach right 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 yeah well, I, lo- of- I love this and everything that you're hitting with the that's body hair mental mental health i don't think there's a sin- single indian girl i know that hasn't been affected by all of that in each category yeah. You know? And I know we're talking about it a lot more, but it's fantastic that you're putting it into a book because I really yeah. do think it's so important for us to like be loud and, and have our voices out there, you know, and, Absolutely. you know, all of us should be the topic of kitty parties and not worry yes. about it. Absolutely. Give them something to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. You know, they, they need it. They like it. They enjoy it. So yeah. how can people get the book? Uh, so the book will be available for pre-order in the next few months, but you'll okay. find out about that through the publishers. They're called Hardy right. Grant. Yep. I have it in my notes. Yeah. My so notes. that's UK. And I think we'll be in discussion with other distributors about global worldwide. We should do be really have so much fun with this and do an IG live together when it comes yes. out. Yes, we should definitely. And just and just make fun of ourselves for doing an IG live and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's definitely what's gonna happen. Yeah. That's hundred percent what's gonna happen. <laughs> you identify yourself as bisexual, correct? Mm-hmm. If you can sum up maybe one thing that people misunderstand about what bisex bisexuality is, like the main thing you hear back, like Oh my god, like every aspect. There's not <laughs> one thing. I'm sorry, there's not one thing, like the whole aspect of it. I think also before I carry on, I don't, I, I say bisexual, but that's the reason I say yes to bisexual is because it made sense historically. Okay. I now just say queer because okay. I don't know a hundred percent that bisexual fits me properly because okay. I feel like I've done my time with cis men and I've washed my hands of them. Like no more, please. I'm done. Like, please. Um, <laughs> So I, I, don't know a, I think it's a very smart decision you're making. Now. Yeah, yeah. I think this is now going to benefit me. I feel like my skin okay. came up already after saying that. <laughs> um, Your skin so, looks fantastic. It looks great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like maybe I'm in the realm of queer and, okay. I don't know, historically bisexual, yes. Do you think you were just, I, I guess, in a journey trying to figure it out yourself? I think that's a forever thing. I think forever. because right. words only created uh, for other people's benefit, you know? Right. Right, right, right. Like linguistics, linguistics has only been created so we can understand each other, right? But do we really need to understand someone else's like sexuality? Just let people do whatever the hell they want, right? So, right. like, I guess the term bisexuality exists, and that's fine, and I'm fine okay. with it, and I'm fine people okay. calling it. I, I don't care. I'm just okay. gonna make basically make cis men aware that they have no chance. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone hear that? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's like yeah. we're not creating words because, you know, we have some spare time and we have nothing better to do, right? right. We're not right. we're gonna call ourselves this now because we like it when you take the piss out of us. You know, it's <laughs> this right. isn't fun, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. Even the LGBTQ plus community, like in each each category, what does each category mean and how do you label them? I'm like, I don't yeah. know if you can put people in buckets necessarily. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like it's very easy for like, I guess like a lot of cis straight people to kind of have the terminology LGBTQ. It's easy for them. And I feel it easier to wrap their heads around, right? Yeah. To understand something, which isn't really for them to understand, but because of a lifetime of discrimination that's gone eons and eons, um, it has to be done, you know? Right. Right. it's just, it's a shame that it has to exist the way it does. But like, I guess the preconceptions of bisexuality is stuff like, you know, are you just taking a break from men? Do you just want to be a lesbian for a bit? You can do this for a while and then marry a man or like whatever, right? Like my mom thought, like, I guess 50-50, right? And I was like, mm, <laughs> no. Yeah, 99-1 and the 1% is Oscar Isaac and he's married. So, oh my God, I'd love him. Yeah, right? Yeah. I would definitely have him over for coffee. No. All right. We're going to make it happen in New York somehow. We'll, we'll throw it out there. <laughs> okay. I want to do a quick, fun, kind of fast round. So whatever comes to your mind. Okay. What is the best compliment you've ever received? <laughs> Anything. I love how you said quick as well. And I just froze. I know. I'm just going to have a picture of you say, doing that right now. <laughs> um, I think you are inspiring. How would your parents describe what you're doing right now as your job career? Uh, my mom would say nothing. She's doing nothing. Um, my dad would say she's famous, don't you know? She's been on BBC News. And then that's it. And no explanation, no, nothing further. And then he would just walk away. If you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive. I got this. Uh, Keanu Reeves. I have so many questions. I have so many questions for him and I just want to hang out with him. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Fisher uh, and Prince. Okay. So I'm one, I'm going to come with you Two, I'm going to email you after this. Oh, when I get back to New York, um, I have a book that says what would Keanu Reeves do? Oh. I'm sending it to you actually. Have you seen this book? I've heard of it, but I haven't, oh, okay. I haven't okay. it. Okay, so I, I, it should be in the UK, I'm sure, but if yeah. whatever. Um, so, yeah, my uh, obsession – I'm sorry, I'm taking the interview away from you. My obsession with Keanu Reeves, I, I think it goes back to, like, two births before because it's, mm-hmm. like – it's so deep and weird. Like, the mm-hmm. dr- I, I'm continuously having dreams about him. Mm-hmm. The, main po- the main point of this is that I had a chance to interview him. Oh, my God. In Dallas, when I lived in Dallas. Oh my God. Um, and I wrote an article. I, I freelance wrote for a bunch of magazines and I wrote the article for a big magazine in Dallas. It, they didn't accept it and I still have it. And so I'm, I, I'm just going to publish it on my own website. Um, yeah, do it. I can't, I still not, I still cannot get over the fact that I had about 20 minutes with this guy. Oh my God. And he's everything you think he would be. I know. Right. Yeah. I think that's what yeah. I love about him. He's everything you think. He, I'm going to send you another article I just read about. Yeah. My obsession with him is like. If I need cheering up, I just watch a Keanu Reeves film. No, I take yeah. that back. I watch three in a row. Yeah, good. I you should. watch at least three. Yeah. Because then I'm like, one is enough. You've just started a Keanu thing. Like you have yeah, to finish yeah. Have to show some, you have to show some respect and it has to be. Yeah, great. exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think he's like the best human being in the world. But we'll Yeah, get, it definitely is. Solid. I'm, yeah, I'm need to, I'm going to send you that book. Perfect. What would what would you pick for the last meal? Uh, so my mom's sag paneer on roti. Not burnt roti. No, mum's. Mm. So you know, that's sweet. Yeah. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, 
forever and never have to pay for it. There's a big billboard on the biggest highway in the UK and it's there forever. What would it say? <laughs> uh, it might say, oh, I have two ideas. So okay. one could just say, white people, am I right? <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then another idea is just a really big photo of my tits with my PayPal link. Oh my God. Send me money. I think you should just do both side by side. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally send you money. Um, So I'm a big dancer. Huge Dandia uh, Gerba person. Like did all the like Dandia competitions. And yeah, I was like a, like, yeah break dancer slash Dania person. Mm-hmm. So I like to ask all my guests once uh, this pandemic is done in 2080, would you ever have a dance off with me? Yes. I would instantly lose. I have. Okay, no, good. Yeah. But I would just love I'm, to do it. I think it'd be oh, fun. Okay. I'm, I'm glad because the past three guests have told me they would actually win. So I'm like, oh, oh, oh okay. no, no confidence in my dancing at all. I just think it'd be oh. fun. So that makes me, then we're definitely friends because that's the one security I need in my life is that I'm a better dude. <laughs> okay, so I'm realizing I'm calling a lot of my guests, my long lost cousins, my long lost soulmate friends. May have to see someone about that. You guys, please follow Sharon at Burnt Roti Mag on all the social media stuff. Her website, burntroti.com. Look out for her book coming out next year, Burning My Roti. And as always, you can follow moi at Tuckered on IG. Go to my website, tuckeredoutwithummy.com. Sign up for a newsletter that I haven't started yet, but I will, I swear. Thank you guys for listening. Love ya. This is Tuckered Out. Out.